You can have as much Jesus. You can have as much Holy Spirit. You can have as much God as you want. How deep are you willing to invite him in to your situation? How far will you let him go? How much power are you going to allow him to unleash in your life? You can have as much God as you want. You can have as much Jesus as you want. Well, Autumn, I'm already Christian. I know that. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the power of his resurrection. How much of that do you want? It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys. It is your girl, Autumn Miles, coming back with a brand new episode. You know, we go brand new episode every single week. A brand new episode of the Autumn Miles Show. Welcome to the show. When I tell you I'm excited about what I'm going to talk about today, well, I am. Like, so excited. Uh, This is going to encourage you so much. We are, and I'm announcing this right now, going to begin a new series next week about miracles, okay? Now, I don't want you to think, oh, miracles, whatever. We are going to talk about Jesus, and we are going to talk about the weird way Jesus did miracles and how you also can receive the miracles of Jesus. Now, I remember praying years and years and years, Lord, as a matter of fact, I just prayed it. Show me your glory. I don't want to live this side of heaven without seeing tangibly your power at work. And so we are going to talk about the miracles of Jesus, the weird miracles of Jesus, the weird way that he does miracles. He doesn't do them the way you think he should. He does them the way he wants to, and he can do whatever he wants because he's Jesus, okay? We're going to start that all about Jesus. Cannot wait for that series, and we're going to kind of slowly, I'm going to give you a little appetizer today to what it's going to be about after the break. Thank you guys so much for your support uh, for the Job series. The numbers keep rolling in and I'm like blown away. That was a good series, right? Didn't we love that? It was so good. I keep thinking of things. I thought of something the other day and I'm like, man, I really should have said that. That was super good. (laughs) But I'm not going to tell you because I might do a whole podcast on it coming up. I love that series. I love your support. Hey, listen, we're entering holiday season. And in the holiday season, we, you know, us nonprofits over here would love to receive any donation that you have. So I want to tell you, we actually do take donations. I don't talk about this very much, but, you know, it costs money to keep our ministry up and going and surviving and living and thriving and all of those things. And if God stirs your heart, I invite you to go to autumnmiles.com and there is a give tab that you can click and donate to the ministry. And you know, if God stirs your heart, 
you know, a lot of things in scripture he did through people because God stirred their heart. And so I want to invite you to do that and um, do let you know that it does take money to keep this ball rolling. You know what I'm saying? I just came off of, this is what is happening in my life. I just came off of something so important. Okay. I have a very full life as I talk about all the time. And I felt very strongly that the Lord wanted me to rest. I rest is so hard for me. It is so challenging. I hate it. I feel like when I'm resting, I'm like being lazy or not being, but you know, productive or I, there's like 15 things like I should be doing. But the Lord has told me over the years, you will accomplish more because I'll be working for you resting and trusting that I am stewarding what I've given you. Rest is the ultimate sign of trust. For people like me, rest is the ultimate sign of trust because people like me, (laughs) we don't like to rest. And every time I say, you know what, I'm going to take this day just to take it. I'm not going to do anything. It's so hard for me to do. But in those moments, I yield and say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. I trust that you're not going to let everything that I've worked so hard for deteriorate. I trust that you're going to take care of the things that needs to be taken care of, or I trust they're going to sustain until I come back from resting. And so I just went away for a few days. I go away every single year by myself. I've done it for, I don't know, 17, 18 years. I think Grace was a baby when I started doing it to pray, to regroup, to fill myself up, not just for the ministry, but as a person in general. It's so beautiful when I go because I'm not Autumn Miles. No one calls me by two names. I am simply Autumn and I get alone with the Lord. And that's exactly what I did for the last few days. I didn't hardly look at my phone. As a matter of fact, I only looked at my phone because um, Eddie was taking care of the kids and I just want to make sure that everything was okay. But I allowed the Lord to just speak to my heart. I have read a book. It's called The Pursuit of God. And I've read it. This is my third time reading it. It is an incredible book. Read that book. Filled myself back up allowed myself to be completely weak and said, God, what you got for me? And when I started saying, okay, God, what you got? The Lord reminded me, nope, I just want you to be and I want you to rest. And it was so amazing uh, for me to just kind of fill myself back up. I felt like after that, series of Job. I really needed to be filled back up. And um, we've been through so much transition in our life over here. It was so good. So I encourage you to do the same. It was crazy. I was like walking around and I don't have any kid. Most of my kids are like, mom, I need this. Mom, I need that. You know, and we have four of them. It's a lot. I'm pulled in so many different ways and I had none of that. And so I was was like, this feels so weird, but it was so good. Take the time to rest, honor that Sabbath um, that the Lord gives you and let him fill you up. I laid everything out before the Lord and I just said, God, there it is. There is everything that I feel. There is everything that I'm struggling with. There is everything that I'm 
praising you for, there it is. And I was able to leave it with him and truly let him fill my soul back up. So rest, take the time. I took a few days. The kids were really happy to see me when I got back. But this is your sign to take a break because you need it. Your kids will be fine. Your husband will be fine. Everything will be fine. And guess what? I came back on Monday morning and everything was waiting for me. (laughs) Nothing changed, but I felt better about everything. So take some time to rest, guys. All right. After the break, we are going to talk and start and tease you a little bit about our new series. We're going to start in Mark. We're going to talk about Jesus. It's going to be great. Don't go away. I'll see you after the break. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back from the break. I'm super excited to jump into this series all about Jesus, all about miracles, We'll fully get into it next week, but this is a little bit of an introduction to it. I want to take you guys to this beautiful passage in scripture in Mark 5, okay? This is going to be for you today who have been in a slump long enough, okay? (laughs) You've been struggling with anxiety long enough. You've been holding on to whatever long enough. You've been staring at your marriage that you know you need counseling or you need something, you need a touch from God or whatever, long enough. You've been in that thought process long enough, okay? It is time to get up and to move forward, okay? I think sometimes... We don't like to be in hard seasons. And then we enter the hard season and we stay there a little bit too long. And um, this passage in Mark is going to be so encouraging to some of you because Jesus does something that is so powerful. He only does it a couple times in scripture and it changes everything about this little girl. I want you to get up. And now before we get into the passage of scripture, I want you to answer that question. Do you need to get up? 
and stop a thought process? Do you need to move? Maybe you've been in transition a long time. Do you need to move to that next section of your life? Have you been holding on to frustrating things too long? And do you need to move forward? Do you need to move on? Do you need to let those things go? Do you need to step in to a new calling that God has had for you? You know if this is going to be for you. I don't, sometimes we'll hear something and we'll be like, oh, that was really good, like for my husband, or that was really good for my friend or my kid. Is that something you need? I want you to look at Jesus as if in this story, in the narrative of this story, as if you are the girl, the little girl. I want you to listen to the passage of scripture. I'm going to obviously go back with a lot of points, but I want you to be the object of his words. Okay. I want you to kind of put yourself there. If you've said, yeah, I've been angry about something too long. Yes, I've been living in this bad marriage too long. I need to get up. I need to do something about it. If that's you, you are the little girl in this story. It's you. Now, if you're a man and you're listening to this, you can be a little boy if you want to. Okay. But Jesus is about to say something to you that is going to be the foundation of your healing and of what you do next. Okay, let's read it. Mark 5 says this, when Jesus had crossed over in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus, 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 (laughs) came up on seeing him and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay hands on her so that she will get well. And he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. Now, I'm going to skip down, okay? 34. And he said to her, he said to the woman with the issue of blood, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, They came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue officials, do not be afraid. Um, Said to the synagogue official, excuse me, Jairus, Jairus, whatever, however you want to call him, Jairus, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official. He saw a commotion. Jesus saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, 
Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but she is asleep. They began laughing at him. But putting them out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, this is what he said. You are that little girl, Talitha Kum, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately, they were completely astounded. As he and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said something should be given to her to eat. I love this passage of scripture, and I think it can resonate with all of us. Jairus and a lot of these, a lot of the story, I'll talk about Jairus, the father, the synagogue official. But today I want to focus on the little girl. Okay. We're going to talk about the circumstances that surrounded this little girl. This little girl obviously had been ill, extremely ill for um, a long time. Uh, We don't know how long, but she had been ill to the point, as Jairus told Jesus, of death. So they kind of knew what was coming, okay? They were in a very serious situation, so much so that Jairus went to seek out help from Jesus. Now, at this time, Jesus was doing a lot of miracles and stuff like that, but there was so many people. You remember, this is the same story on the way to heal this child. He, Jesus ran into the woman with the issue of blood and the circumstances surrounding that was there was a ton of people around him. So many people were pressing in on him that when he said, who touched me, the disciples look at him like he was nuts because everybody touched him. Okay. Jairus probably had to fight his way through to even talk to Jesus specifically. I want to break down this passage of scripture as it relates to the little girl not being dead. She was actually asleep. And I want it to resonate with you today. Those of you that maybe you're not physically ill, but you've been really emotionally unwell. Those of you that cannot seem to get past an anxiety or an anger, so much so that it's becoming evident to all. And someone is interceding on your behalf. Do you ever think about that? Someone is interceding on your behalf. I know I pray for you guys all the time. I think about you guys all the time. I don't take for granted the position that God has put me in. My team prays for you guys all the time. We pray every single time that we um, we record a podcast. We just got done praying for you right before we hit record. What Jairus does is so beautiful because verse 22, Mark 5, 22, one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up on seeing him and he fell at his feet. This little girl needed supernatural intervention. 
and implored Jesus earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her so that she will get up and live. This verse made me pause as I was reviewing it and um, thinking about uh, sharing it with you because it says, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. She's at the point of death. Or maybe translated as we go through this verse, maybe you are at the point of quitting. You're at the point of divorce. You're at the point of giving into that temptation. You're at the point of going back to a situation that was not good for you. You're at the point of giving up on your faith. You're not there, but you're close. You're not there, but you're in the neighborhood on the street. You're at the point. You know what Jesus didn't do? Look at Jairus and say, well, didn't you take her to the doctor? <laughs> I mean, is there some medicine? Can you give her some Tylenol, some Advil? I mean, you know, he didn't school him. Jairus did something that changed Jairus's life, his family's life, obviously the little girl's life. He invited, this hadn't been done yet. He invited Jesus in. This is what I realized about people that are at the point of giving up or at the point of giving in or at the point of totally quitting or at the point of going back to an addiction or, you know, at the point of cheating on a spouse or whatever it is. Most of the time, they have not actually looked at Jesus and totally said, like Jairus did, um, synagogue official Jairus came up and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay your hands on her. Please come lay your hands on her. Please come, come. Come on in. I'm giving you a personal invitation to come. She's at the point. But Jesus, I've heard about you. And when you enter a situation, things change. When I truly yield all of my control over to you, things change. If anybody can do it, this is what he's saying. I mean, it's not like in the text, but he is imploring Jesus. If you just come, come in, come to my house, come sit with my kid, my daughter. If you would stop what you're doing and just come, she can get well and she can live. And Lay your hands on her, verse 23, 
so that she will get well and live. Here's the thing about that verse. There's so much that we could unpack in that verse. So she can get well and live. Here's what I know about that anxiety. Here's what I know about that frustration, about that anger. Here's what I know about that um, marriage that you won't confront. Here's what I know about the worry and the constant stress. Here's what I know about that. It takes from the abundant life that God wants to give you. Jairus is saying, if you just come, I'm going to invite you in. We tried everything, but we haven't tried this. If you would just come, she can get well and live. Let me ask you today. Do you realize that sometimes we hang on to hurt? We hang on to circumstances way too long without inviting God in. And it steals. It does the exact thing that the enemy wants to do. It steals our lives. It steals our joy. It steals our enjoyment. You know what? This morning I was, I exercised five days a week, but this morning I chose to go on a walk and I was walking by this tree and it's totally dead because it's fall over here. But I looked up and there was two blooms of flowers and there was something about those flowers that just ministered to me so much because all I saw was death. In the middle of this dead tree, these two tiny little flowers, I don't even know what kind of a tree it is, were alive, they were pink, they were beautiful, and I thought, oh my goodness, life is still there. And I focus, typically I just walk by that tree and be like, wow, that's a dead tree. I might not even think about it, I might not even look about it, but today, I realize that life is still in that tree. Sometimes we can feel like there is no, it's imminent. The death of the marriage or the faith or whatever it is, is imminent. It is coming. You can feel it. You can sense it. You can see it. But then when you invite Jesus in and he comes in and he accepts the invitation, you realize how much staying in that mentality has cost you. It's cost you living I wasted all this time with this anxiety for so long. I invited the Lord in and now he's going to take care of it. I wasted so much time being angry for so long. It cost me living, enjoying my life. I've been so focused on this burden of these finances for so long. It's cost me the gift of today. I've been so frustrated on how my husband won't change for so long. It's cost me enjoying my life. If you come in and lay your hands on her, she will get well and live. And I believe that that's the ultimate thing that Jesus wants to do for you today. For those of you that are like, I've been dealing this for way too long acknowledge this is taken from me my life from me like an illness of Jairus his daughter this is taken from me good days acknowledge that and see what Jesus does Jesus and it says uh, verse 24 and he went off 
with him. Didn't preach to him. Did you take him to doctors? No. He went with him, which tells me this. Invite Jesus in. He's going to come right in, and he's going to do what Jesus does. He is a gentleman. He wants an invitation. (laughs) He's there. You can have as much Jesus. You can have as much Holy Spirit. You can have as much God as you want. How deep are you willing to invite him in to your situation? How far will you let him go? How much power are you going to allow him to unleash in your life? You can have as much God as you want. You can have as much Jesus as you want. Well, Autumn, I'm already Christian. I know that. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the power of his resurrection. How much of that do you want? Jairus wanted it all. (laughs) Jesus hadn't even resurrected yet. But he knew that he held power and authority. So he went with him. Okay. Let's skip down. Uh, Verse 35. While he was still speaking, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, healing someone along the way, they, who are they in your life? They came from the house of the synagogue official, Jairus, saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any longer? But Jesus overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, he didn't address the crowd, you guys. He didn't try to defend himself and say, actually, I'm Jesus. (laughs) He didn't have anything to say to these people that are like, don't trouble the teacher any longer. She's dead. Okay, it's over. He didn't even address the peanut gallery. I think this is something that keeps us from seeing the Lord do amazing things in our life. We, we listen to them. Who is them for you? Them is everyone that doesn't fuel the faith of the word that God has given you. That's them. And them could be everyone. Them could be your mama, your uncle, your aunt. God bless your grandma, but it could be your grandma. could be your kid. It could be your a leader. It could be anyone. Them. Who is them? Them is everyone who does not stand on the authority of the word that God has given you. This is who them is. They didn't realize they were looking at the resurrection and the life straight in the face. They didn't realize that they were addressing the one who had authority on death, hell, and the grave straight in the face. Jairus saw something that them didn't. Jairus saw something that he wanted because it was his daughter on the line and it wasn't theirs. Jairus stepped in and said, you know what? I know it's going to be hard to get to Jesus, but I'm going to do everything I can to invite him in because if anyone can heal her, it's going to be him. He saw what them didn't. He wasn't swayed by them because Jesus shut their mouths. This is what he said. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? This makes me so frustrated. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Let me tell you why. Because he was about to raise himself from the dead. There's nothing that God can't do. 
what's impossible for people is possible with God. But Jesus, verse 36, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, it didn't even address them, stop. And so you need to stop. You know, the people that are telling you how bad your husband is and your marriage is not very good. That's them. If God has said, I'm going to put this back together, then you stop listening to them. You listen to him, not them. Them is keeping you from what him wants to do for you. You'll never get past this anger. It was really, really hard. You know what? I have had to overcome a ton of anger. And you know when that happened? When I said, God, I am angry about what has happened to me. I want you to come in and give me compassion for the people that hurt me. When I invited Jesus in, this little girl got up. We address them, but Jesus doesn't. He addresses the one who had the faith to invite him in all along, Jairus. He overhearing what was being spoken said to the synagogue official, don't be afraid. I know what they're saying. And it was true. It was true. I mean, you know, people know when people die. I mean, you know, it's an obvious thing. At some point they had seen or assumed that she was dead. Okay. So what they were saying might not have not have been true, but God knew what he could do. So he looked at Jairus and said, don't be afraid any longer. Just believe that same belief that invited me in is the same belief that you're about to be is the same belief that is going to pull from me the power necessary to change the situation. The same faith, no matter what the circumstances look like, no matter how you feel, no matter if you feel that the situation is too far gone, no matter what you think, no matter what them are saying to you, you listen to me only believe and don't be afraid sight often hinders what faith declares we are not to look with what we see because our sight often hinders our faith because we think how could this be changed now? It's too late. What we see often causes us to doubt, but we're to fix our eyes on what we don't see. The author and finisher of our faith. Don't be afraid any longer. Only believe. Just believe. When you invite Jesus in, Oftentimes it's in circumstances where they do look from the outside world too far gone. And other people will tell you, well, it's too late. It's, it's too far gone. But let me tell you something. Just because it looks that way doesn't mean it is that way. Because there is a supernatural world. A supernatural King Jesus. That wants to bring a little bit of heaven into your world and change things around where it shuts the mouths of them. Don't be afraid any longer. 
only believe. He allowed no one to accompany them. Well, I bet he didn't. They probably made him mad. <laughs> you know, them, you just stay outside because I'm about to do something and I don't want to hear your chatter. He allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. Can you imagine that? Now, I know you can because... I've done it where you look at Jesus just like Sarah did and was like, <laughs> he's like, next, at this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she's like, yeah, right. And she starts laughing. It's the same kind of laugh, mocking. This kid is dead, Jesus. It's too far gone, Jesus. <laughs> so he said, get out. Putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered because of the invitation from Jairus. He was invited. He entered in to the room where the child was. This is where I want to transition this narrative back to you. You're the child. You're at the point of, you fill in the blank, quitting, giving up your faith. You fill in the blank. And Jesus just came into the exact room where you are. His eyes are on you because he was invited in. Such a beautiful moment. Verse 41 says, taking the child by the hand. I want you to just imagine. The Bible talks about holding our right hand. Get your right hand out. He took the child by the hand. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He didn't squawk. He took her by the hand. Imagine you taking your child by the hand. Haven has these teeny tiny little hands. And it's almost like... Everywhere we go, it doesn't matter where we are, she'll shoot her little hand up. And it's always her right hand because I'm left-handed. I always hold them by their right hand. She shoots her hand up, especially, we went to the Texas State Fair the other day, and there's a lot of people there. She did not want to be outside of reach for me, so I held her hand literally for three hours. Everywhere we went, it was tender. We, I didn't say anything to her. I mean, we, you know, we talked, but there was no like conversation about why we held hands. But there was a comfort there, a compassion there, and a knowing there that I was going to be there to take care of her if anything happened. We have this tender moment where Jesus enters the room and he takes her hand. Bible talks about constantly holding our hand, our right hand. And he says this to her, little girl. He doesn't call her by her name. Little girl. I want for you to, for a second, 
to wake up that little girl in you. Maybe you're 57. I don't know. But there is that little girl in you. That baby is still holding on to hurt, frustration, or whatever. There's a little girl in you that needs a great, good father to hold their hand, to calm them down, and to address them lovingly. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Get up. Little girl, I say to you, get up. He didn't scream it. He didn't yell it. It was a private, compassionate moment. Talitha Kuhn. Little girl, it's time to get up. Every morning, I wake um, Haven and Moses up and I go in and I'm not loud. Oftentimes, I'll put my hand on their arm or something like that or on their back and I'll say, it's time to get up. It's time to get up. I'll say, hey, baby, really calmly. It's time to get up. It's time to start your day. You're going to have a great day. I love you. It's mommy. I wake my child with compassion and tenderness. And they get up. They start their little day and do their little thing and eat their little toast with strawberry jelly. Drink their little orange juice, get their backpack on, go to school, and they're ready for a new day. Little girl, I say to you, get up to Letha Coon. I feel strongly that the same God, Jesus Christ, has got you by the hand and is saying to you, let's get up. Let's move forward. I've got you by the hand. I'm going to be with you. Let's move on. Let's move past it in the most compassionate way possible. 42, immediately the little girl got up. She got up and began to walk. Now, she did not do somersaults. She did not run. She did not, you know, scream. She walked. For she was 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded. She walked. When the Lord wakes you up and says, let's get up. Let's move on. Let's move forward. Let's fix that marriage. Let's put some of this bitterness behind us. Let's heal that place in you. Let's stop worrying so much. Let's stop being anxious so much. We walk before we run. I don't expect, and I think God is so much more gracious to us than we are on ourselves. She got up and she walked. She didn't get up and, you know, sprint. She walked. And then probably later she ran and she could jump and she could do all those things again. But it starts with a walk. And I think sometimes we think, wow, if God's calling me to get up, I need to go like guns blazing and do this thing. And maybe that is what God is asking you to do. But don't put too much on yourself at first. The biggest thing is, is that number one, she got up. And number two, she took a step. 
And those steps led her to, we don't know anything else about her. I'm assuming an abundant life. Wouldn't it be cool to have a conversation with her? He gave strict orders, verse 43, that no one should know about this. And he said, something should be given to her to eat. I love that he said that. Give this girl a sandwich. She needs some, she needs some bacon and eggs. She needs something. She's been sleeping. I feel like that's us today. I feel like this speaking to me too today. Get up. And then walk. And then eat. And go from there. Baby steps. Tiny little steps forward are still steps forward. Before I close, I want to bring one awesome point out about this. Immediately, the girl, verse 42, got up and began to walk for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. I want to just bring to your attention that the woman with the issue of blood had a hemorrhage for 12 years. So as Jairus came and said, please come help my child, Jesus was stopped by a woman that was ill with the issue of blood and she had had it the entire length of this little girl's life, 12. Now, looking at the number 12, and I'm really big on what things mean as far as everything says something in the Bible, okay? Um, there's several instances of the number 12 that are mentioned in the Bible. Um, you know, there's close to 200 mentions of only the number 12 in the Bible. And what the number 12 represents or means is power, authority, government, foundation, completeness. Those are all things that the number 12 could mean. As I was reading this, I thought it was so amazing that Jesus in two different miracles showed his authority and power over sickness in the woman with the issue of blood's body and death in the woman, the little girl who died. In a very short time, he showed everyone around him, I have the keys of life. I have authority and power over illness and death. I can restore anything because I am all powerful. Whatever you're facing today, it's not too far gone for him. I don't care how cliche this sounds. I don't care how cynical maybe you could potentially be. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're crying. I don't know what it is. It's not too far gone. Talitha Kum. Little girl, I say to you, get up. Lord, we love you today. I thank you that you do have power and authority, God, over sickness, over death, over anything that we face. When you are invited in, miracles happen. The invitation is the prerequisite to a miracle, God. I pray for those that are listening today. God, I pray that you would overwhelm them with your grace, with your love. I pray that you would tell them they're seen. I pray that this would instigate change in their lives, God. I think it's so beautiful the way your word is constructed. Twelve. Complete power and authority. 
Lord, I pray that they would have the courage to get up and take a step in the right direction. We love you, Lord. I thank you that we can get up and move on and move forward. You're such a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I'll see you after the break for a question and a testimony. I hope that encouraged you. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Are you new to this whole Jesus thing and don't know where to start? Or maybe you've been following him for a while and you want to dig deeper into the word of God. Then you've come to the right place. Each month, Autumn hosts an online, in-depth Bible study through Facebook Live called The Jesus Initiative. The Jesus Initiative is a monthly spiritual challenge to anyone willing to join and grow deeper in their faith. She covers topics such as how to wait when waiting is hard, moving forward in faith even when you're terrified, and how to combat the spiritual warfare in your mind. Autumn's desire is to help break down complex topics in a way that's easy for everyone to understand and implement into their everyday lives. The goal of the Jesus Initiative is to tackle real-life topics in a real-life way, grounded in the Word of God. Understanding the things of God doesn't have to be hard. If you're a believer who wants to grow in your faith and strengthen your relationship with God, these Bible studies will challenge you in all the right ways. Simply search Autumn Miles on Facebook or follow her on Instagram at at Autumn Miles and click the follow button so you can stay in the loop for when the next Bible study starts. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, I hope that encouraged you. It really encouraged me. I'm like, I'm super excited about what God has stirring up for the future at the Autumn Mile Show and just, you know, all the things in my life. I hope that encouraged you. Get up, move forward, go forward. God's got a plan. He ain't done yet. Talitha Coom, all right? Um, Okay, I have an awesome question. It is about Halloween. I kind of get this every year about Halloween, but this is, I really love the way she constructed this question. It says, I have a question about Halloween and how we as Christians are to see it. As someone who was involved in witchcraft and truly demonic things, I have such a struggle associated with anything related to witchcraft and Halloween. I know some Christians don't have that type of experience, so I'm wondering if my conviction is legitimate or this is fear based. I guess my concern comes from reading verses that clearly detest any form of sorcery and pagan worship. I also feel as though it's similar when the Israelites would dabble in pagan practices and would end up getting sucked in. As someone who believes Halloween is derived from Samhain, which is pagan, I truly desire to understand why Christians still actively celebrate Halloween with it so closely mimicking pagan traditions. I really felt like this was a beautifully constructed question and I was like, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to tell you my thoughts on it. I mean, you know, <laughs> let me just I don't like Halloween either. I think when I became a believer and I realized just how real 
the unseen world is and realize just how easily sucked in we can be to, you know, the, the pagan world and, and stuff like that without even realizing it. You know, there is definitely just the enemy sets a trap for us. I don't like it either. I actually, no one in my family really likes it. I never, I never liked it growing up as a kid and for all of these reasons. Okay. Um, I think if you've walked with the Lord for a long time, I think you can sense there is a heaviness, you know, on Halloween. And I totally get that. I will say I have processed this a lot with the Lord. And I think there is a difference in celebrating and participating and this is my view. This is my perspective because I do have four children. I began to realize the one night that everyone is out every single year in our community is Halloween. Now, we don't have like our neighbors coming to our door all the time. We've lived by our neighbors for years and years and years. So we know them all. But that's the time that they're out and that all of their families are out. Celebrating is, I think, a stretch and I think we look at people that participate and say they're celebrating when really they're just participating. My family would fall under the participation side of this. When I realized that everyone was out in our community and everyone was trick-or-treating, I realized we had an opportunity. We can go out, cultivate community. We can meet new people to be the light in the darkness, or we can stay in and we cannot participate. My family has decided to do the former. Uh, we have decided to go out. We talk to everyone that we see on Halloween. We know a lot of people in the community, um, but we're constantly meeting like my children's parents that are in their classes. We get to meet. We get to have a conversation with them. We get to tell them what we do. We get to, you know, if an opportunity is there, we get to talk to them about the Lord and about what we do. And I felt like it was an opportunity to steward being a light in the world, being the light in the darkness. And so we go out because of that reason. Now, Haven did tell me last year she don't want to do it anymore. And so <laughs> this year, uh, just full disclosure there, this year I told her, I said, I don't like it either. We don't have to do it. If you don't, if you don't want to do it, we do not have to do it. We'll see what happens. But it's not a celebration. It's a participation with the goal being in our community, loving our community being the light on a dark day. So that would be my answer to that. I don't disagree with anything that you said, but I do think maybe look at it not as celebration, but participation. And I hope that helps. Okay. That would be my answer to that. I get asked that every year. And my answer is always the same. This testimony is amazing. You guys, absolutely amazing. This is our testimony for the week. I was on my, talk about miracles. Ooh, she's teeing it up good for us here. I was on my way to a pre-op appointment for an upcoming surgery that I had scheduled. The whole week leading up to this appointment, I had been in prayer and fasting that God would heal me and that miraculously I wouldn't need surgery. There were three big issues I was scheduled to have surgery on and I had gone to three different doctors to confirm this would be necessary. When the doctor 
went in, two of the issues had completely resolved themselves. And the third became so minor that surgery was no longer needed. God did a miracle. He miraculously healed her. The doctor had to check multiple times because she was so shocked as the issues had been so obvious prior. There is absolutely no other explanation outside of the hand of God. He has all power, all authority over every sickness, over every problem, over death. He has power and authority. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us your glory this side of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. That was beautiful. Send me your testimonies. Send me an email. Hello at autumnmiles.com or DM me. I want to share them. We're going to get all up in these miracles. We're going to be asking for some miracles on behalf of all of us in the coming days and weeks. I love you guys. Thanks for joining me today. Join me next week right back here on the Autumn Miles Show. I'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Mile Show. And I want to know, family, what is God doing in your life? If you have a recent praise report about God's faithfulness, we all want to know about it. I want to know, my team wants to know, and your brothers and sisters in Christ that listen to this show want to know. You can share your story by emailing hello at autumnmiles.com or you can direct message me on Facebook or Instagram by searching autumnmiles at the top of the page. I want to hear about it, guys. Let's tell the world what God is doing in your life so we all can be encouraged by your journey of faith.